0: Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited today. I have a great guest joining us from across the pond over in Ireland. Her name is Jill Holtz, and she's with a company called My Kids Time. And she helps brands and her customers resonate with parents. So Jill, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. I'm waving teeth from the other side of the Atlantic.
0: Well, look, I can see you. I can actually see Ireland from my house. Not really. But <laughs> you have a little bit of history to share with my peeps. You live in a town that has ties back to the United States. So tell us about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, Brian. So thank you first of all for having me. So I live in Galway now. Um, Having uh, come a roundabout route via the United States, I ended up in Ireland and Galway um, is is east of Boston and it became uh, a place on JFK's uh, tour around Ireland and he stood in Galway and said, hey guys, you know, next stop is Boston. So um, Galway has always had a warm spot for JFK.
0: Hmm. So if you jumped in the Atlantic Ocean in Boston, missed all the icebergs and swam straight over, you'd end up in Galway, right?
1: You would uh, end up in the west of Ireland, exactly.
0: Excellent. Well, what I like to do to get started is get my audience to know your backstory. So Can you tell us how you went from standing on a bridge, counting cars, (laughs) to helping brands create a bridge to parenting?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it's funny you asked me about that job, and um, it was a student job, actually. So I always kind of worked in um, data-driven jobs, I suppose. I was working for transportation, different uh, utility, different software companies. So I always had a kind of a data background background. Um, And what's really interesting now is I ended up in this uh, with my own business. As you said, we connect brands to parents. We do that through digital marketing and insights. And it's really interesting to kind of bring a data perspective. um, And I think we can have a a chat about that because that was really interesting last year as well. So My Kids Time is basically an information website for parents and we work with all sorts of businesses to bring their message in front of parents to help activate parents and what we've learned over the time is really how to hone a message in a way that parents will take notice of and do something about
0: mhm so during the pandemic we know there was a lot of disruption but
1: exactly yeah
0: what happened to these brands in the middle of this pandemic and how did you help them overcome some of the challenges well
1: i think there were two types of outcomes for businesses either they stayed open and became wildly busy <laughs> um that would be kind of retail for example or else they just had to shut up shop um, just like everybody and kind of look at what they were going to do how could they bring any of their product or service online um and it was really interesting to watch the partners we work with regularly and how they approach that that process and also how they kept communicating with parents throughout that time. Because I think some, some of the ones that got really busy almost forgot to still communicate. <laughs> they were just so busy, which is fair enough. I can understand that. But if you don't constantly keep in touch with your customers and tell them stuff, that, that's an, an important thing, I think, So you could see good examples of that happening. The ones that closed then were really kind of left bereft and wondering what are they gonna do? How are they going to bring, how are they gonna keep that connection so that when they reopened, um, that they were ready to, to go as it were.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So while we were talking up front, you said there were three core things that you were able to do to help these brands survive. What were those?
1: Well, I I think first of all, it was about really mining the data and um, getting into the Google Analytics on your website. Um, I work with a lot of small businesses as well as doing my own business, Brian. And, and often they don't even look at Google Analytics. They might have had it set up by the web guy. And it's really interesting to look at not just obviously where people are coming from and who they are and how they're interacting but what are they actually looking at in terms of the content on your website and there's a lot to be gleaned um, from that so one of one of the first things we we really started to notice on my kids time was what kind of content were parents looking at and it really reflected the changes in family life if they couldn't travel, then all the travel section on our website just went to zero, understandably. But what was interesting was like, what were people looking at? What were they, re- what was resonating? And for us um, was to try and use that to, to then go and talk to parents. So again, this is another thing, your your recent guest Tim Ash mentioned this, nothing beats going to talk to your customers um, to ask them, so going to talk to parents, which we do regularly, and asking them, hey, we notice people are looking at this type of content. Do you want more of that? What would be useful? Because ultimately, if you can be useful to your target customers, um, that's what's going to bring them to you. So that was kind of the first thing was like really getting into the Google Analytics and then being able to adapt um, through through what you see and how you pivoted your business and communicating that really well. I, I mentioned there's being too busy to communicate. I don't think that's an excuse. You, you need to tell. So what do I mean by that, let me give you an example. If you were continuing to stay open and you had your store, how were you communicating to your customers that it was safe when they came to your store? What measures had you put in place to reassure them? Because we were all in this crazy pandemic situation. Um, I think the other le- big lesson was is about that. How do you remain flexible and fluid? That can sometimes be tricky. Um, if you're used to doing things in a, in a certain way or you're used to your revenue coming in a certain way, how can you be flexible and adapt? Um, and again, talking to customers, talking to non-customers is important as well um using different channels and and to kind of overlay on top of what you know about your business to help you make those decisions to be more agile and flexible.
0: Yeah. So I saw a lot of the same thing during the pandemic with bigger B2B companies and that was they were struggling, they were trying to figure things out. But let's face it, not only do people not read their analytics, but generally they don't understand them. So Let's kind of dig a little deeper into mining that data. And what did it tell you and what did it tell your customers?
1: So what was interesting, I think, I suppose we're a bit unique, Brian, because we produce a lot of content that our end user, which isn't our customer, but our end user, our parents, they come to our site to get problems, you know, solutions to problems, basically, whether that be an idea for dinner for tonight for the family or Where What are we going to do at the weekend? Or what's the latest movie we should watch? So we we produce that content. But when you you look at that and understand what are people... and, And very simple metrics are dwell time. Are they bouncing straight off that piece of content? Or are they spending time? Where are they going to after that? Sometimes it's about spending... Assigning... Now, it's a rabbit hole, I agree, and it can be a bit overwhelming. But it's about spending time assigning some time every month to look at your analytics understand behavior understand what's changed over time where are people going and then i think you have to overlay on top of that you can't this tells you what people did so you then need to understand why so this is where um we've developed um a second service of our businesses where we can get panels of parents um, together on our own private platform and we can ask them to take a look at, at websites for example just as one example and give some feedback so that you can try and understand the why um, so sometimes um, it can be a very simple process of, of asking a few, a few friendly customers that you have to give you feedback as well on your website so that you just get that richer layer on top if you don't understand the why, then you can't really make decisions about what you should change. You can be testing button colors, as Tim Mash said to you recently. But if you don't understand why people are re- doing what they're doing, then the button color really is immaterial, isn't
0: it? Mm-hmm. So with that data, what did it tell you and how did it help you? Mm. Get your customers to be able to adapt to the changes that were happening rapidly in front of them. What did you see and what did you tell them?
1: Well, then, but I think the best thing we did, Brian, during last year was really to talk regularly through our own channels um, about what were parents looking and reading and re- what was resonating with parents. So if you are trying to market to parents, Helping that brands to understand a little bit better about what matters to that segment is really important. So we've been doing really deep dives, both with our analytics and our content, Mike's time, but also through talking to parents regularly to really get to grips to what matters to them when it comes to, say, buying baby products or it could be shampoo or whatever the category is, what is important to them. Where do they find information about? What, what information would be useful to them? So if you take the example of um, uh, buying insurance, okay, what what piece of content would help you in that journey? And obviously there are different stages in that journey if you're buying insurance, as an example. Um, and all of this is about us, again, um as our own brand and the relationships we have with our business partners is if we can add value to them that helps build trust i think building trust online is really important um it's something again that i think businesses sometimes forget they they sort of think of the online as just another channel but it's a really important one now and how are you going to make sure people when they come to your online channels that they really trust you particularly if they've never met you before
0: Yeah. And in the B2B world, I mean, it's really about, you know, creating content that will generate a conversation. Yes.
1: How do you get them to pick up the phone? (laughs)
0: Exactly. And, you know, I don't know what you have over in Ireland that's different. You know, maybe you can shine a light up from Stonehenge talk to the druids i don't know i have no idea (laughs) but i think you know we're all human and no matter what you do or what your business is the key thing is how do you read the data to get people to want to take some sort of action right
1: well i do think yeah i do think there's one irish tradition and, and i'm sure you'll agree is the the kind of storytelling they had a big history of oral oral um, history you know handing down stories over many years and I think you know this has been a hot buzzword recently in marketing hasn't it Brian Mm -hmm, about storytelling but the reason stories work is that they touch if they touch if you can touch people emotionally and you can do this even in a business to business setting it's about making it relatable making a story uh, uh, with regards to what they're reading online, making them feel a connection. So connection is important. People buy from people, people buy from brands that they trust because they like the story. Um, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to have the wildest purpose in, 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 in the world necessarily, but telling a good story is, is definitely something that you, you can learn from really good sites and, and brands that do this well.
0: Yeah. That's very true. But part of the storytelling is kind of the cognitive bias that we built up in our heads. In other words, you could be telling a story, let's say, about baby wipes. And the person you're telling the story to had an unfortunate incident with baby wipes somewhere in their childhood. (laughs) So I think that the, the key to all of this is... Looking at it not only from the story that you're trying to get across, but also understanding the alternative narrative that may be playing in somebody else's head as you think you're saying the right thing, but they perceive it a little different. What do you think?
1: It's really interesting you say that as well, because I think, and and everybody's guilty of doing this, Brian, it takes a lot of practice. To, to not flex this muscle of talking about yourself absolutely okay so what happens we worked we've worked over 14 years with lots of different companies helping them market to parents and the, the hilarious thing is most of them do this exactly the same thing which is okay here's our product and service you should buy it not hey parent what problem or, or aspect or narrative is in your head so I'll give you a very simple example. Birthday party providers, okay? So, yeah, that's great that you come to the house and entertain 30 kids that are that we're going to invite to the house. But as a parent, I actually want to know not only on top of that, but are you going to clean up after you finish? Oh, yeah. Am I going to have a mess? I'm not going to have any kids crying, so I want to know that the experience is good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's more than just the core service, that, they, that your target customer actually in, is interested in and you need to get in the head of that. That's really understanding your avatar really well, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and um, there's a term that I use when people write websites. They tend to talk about themselves, and uh, I think it goes really well with the baby wipe side of things. I say that people wee-wee all over themselves, <laughs> yeah. meaning we do this, and we do this, and we do this. But I think the key thing that the parents want to know is, like you said, you know, are you going to leave confetti all over my carpet? What is it that you can do to really get inside the head of the end user, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I I think the other thing that people sometimes forget about parents is that parents are kind of gatekeepers to family life. What do I mean by that? They buy stuff for themselves, but they buy for their kids and let me tell you this if you buy something for your child and your child doesn't like it you're soon going to hear about that
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so when you buy something for your child there's like an extra level of trust that you have to have in that product because it's not the same as buying the top or the jeans for yourself and then thinking well i don't really like that it's me who's disappointed. You've disappointed your child.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's nothing worse than somebody who disappoints their child in the middle of a grocery store. No. <laughs> I want that toy! But uh, no, let's go down a different road. And one of the things that you also talk about is having to be fluid and flexible. And I did something at the beginning of last year. I told people, don't panic, pivot. And I thought it was really cool. And what I meant by pivot is when you play basketball, you hold one foot down, you look around where to pass the ball. But what my friends ended up hearing when I was doing that was a scene from Friends when Ross, I think it was Chandler, were carrying a, a sofa, you know, up the stairs, and Ross kept going, pivot, yeah. pivot. <laughs> and. But in reality, what we really had to do was learn how to take the resources that we had and make them relevant now, in the moment. So that's what I meant by pivot.
1: Absolutely. And what's really interesting, isn't it, Brian, that some businesses who did this well now have brought in new revenue streams that they wouldn't have had before um, because they have been adaptable to the situation and they have listened to what people wanted and looked at the external factors if you think about it last year was a perfect storm of what you're supposed to do with strategy for your business you're supposed to look at the macro and you know external factors you're supposed to look at your SWOT you're supposed to look at your differentiation and your and then your marketing and where you're going to all the p's of marketing and all this it all kind of had to be done in a hurry as well um, to keep the revenue coming in So it's kind of an interesting microcosm of what people should have been doing constantly anyway, but that that they weren't forced to do so. The external environment has really forced businesses to adapt and change um, and, and look at what was going on externally, what they could do internally, look at what they needed to put in place to change. And I think they're going to come out stronger. The ones that will survive, I know it's really sad a lot of businesses won't survive out of this, but the ones who will, I think, are going to come out stronger and better for it. Yeah,
0: and I think one of the key things to think about here is if you come out with something different, you become fresh to your customers again. Uh, An example would be Apple, you know, you get the iPhone 9, iPhone 10, iPhone 11, I mean, 12, 13, 14, whatever it is. I mean, now it rings an alarm, but in the future, you know, it might poke you, but, you know, is that a big difference? But then you look at something like Apple tags and you go, ooh, this is new. All it does, it's a a cheap (laughs) $29 little thing but it adds a location to non-Apple products. So you can put it (laughs) on your bags or your dog, or whatever you want. But I think the key message here is how do we remain fresh and interesting to our clients?
1: Absolutely. So not only is it solving that where the hell is my phone or my keys, um, it's actually adaptable to lots of situations as well. I think that yeah, I think what, what came out of last year as well is that when people were adapting um, their businesses is to not lose sight of the core of. I think there was an initial period where everybody just was in a complete just mad situation. What was int- yeah, there everybody was stunned, weren't they? What was interesting to see was how people reacted to the second lockdown. And what what they had put in place by then, and I think again communication and consistency. No matter how you deliver your service, whether you do it in person or online, that there should be a consistency about that, uh, or there should be sort of core values that are clear and consistent across everything. Um, so I think the ones that did that well, even if you look at the restaurants trying to survive and suddenly producing meal kits you know that you can order in and heat up at home and have your restaurant quality meal you know they were doing that prep in the restaurant they just weren't putting in plastic bags and in a box to give to the customer so it was using core um, processes and just adapting them wasn't it, to make the meal kits?
0: Yeah, and, and restaurants, I think, relied heavily on data and analytics, right? What was selling, what wasn't? What did you need to order? What could you get? And how do we drive more traffic to our website? What stories could we tell? So all of that kind of you know rings true, and, and I think the people that paid attention to the data were the ones that probably had an easier time of, of pivoting and, and adapting to that change. So Jill, this has been awesome. I'm sure my audience is going to want to know more about you. So how can they get a hold of you? What's the best way to do that?
1: Well, if you want to contact, uh, if you want to hook up with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Jill Holtz. You can find me there. I'm also on Twitter, Jill Feel free to tweet um and then my kids time is our parents website so that's our consumer facing brand and then parentsandbrands.com is our business site
0: awesome well jill this has been fun thanks for coming on and sharing some laughs and some stories and your insights and you dropped some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps i appreciate you and your time and thanks for joining us today
1: thanks for having me brian